I don't know about you, and I've shared this with quite a few of you. <laughs> I think that January has been the longest month I've ever experienced in my life. And it seems like no matter where you turn, there's something that is um, challenging. Or there's something that is making it um, difficult to have joy or peace. Anyone in here feel like maybe you could use some joy because it's been a little hard? Yeah. You feel like maybe you could use a little bit of peace because you feel like there's been turmoil. Do you know what happens when a group of people gather to pray? When a group of people gather to pray, it means that God is working in their hearts, working in their minds, working in their families, in their communities, and in the church. And when that happens, it means that we as people are choosing not to give in to what Satan is doing in the world around us. Instead, we are saying, I want to attach my hope and my joy and my day to my Heavenly Father who loves me, who cares for me. My Heavenly Father who loved me so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for my sins. And when we start to pray, it shakes the foundations of this world. And it causes difficulty, difficult circumstances. It causes anything that the adversary can use to take us away from putting our hearts and our minds and our complete focus on the will of God. And so as, as we, before we begin today, I, there's a few things that I want to make sure that you know. One is that tonight we're having a night of worship. And if you had already planned just to kind of ignore that we're doing a church service on Sunday nights, don't ignore it. Because there's something that God has for you. He has a connection for you in this body. He has prayers that you need to pray. He has worship that you need to participate in and give to our Heavenly Father. So night of worship tonight at 630. It's only an hour and a half. Some other things that are going on. We have all kinds of great opportunities at this church, one of, one of which is I just want you to know that way one day when you come in, you're not like, what in the world happened, okay? One, we're going to be refinishing this stage. We're going to be uh, putting a different covering on the floor, and we're going to put some facing on the front. But most importantly, right over here, we're going to put a baptistry. And that baptistry, my prayer is that it is filled more than it's empty, my prayer is that it is one of those things that we say, you know what, this is our, our, our saying out to this community that we want the gospel of Jesus to be preached and made known in the lives of this community and in the ones in our family, and that we want the boldness to stir those waters as often as possible. So we're going to be putting in a baptistry, and we'll be refinishing the stage, and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I know 
that God will honor our efforts. If you want to give money towards it, do that. That'd be great. The next thing is this. I mentioned that, we're going to, that we need to pray into doing two services. We will be testing out two services. We're going to try and figure out how it works and all of these things. So mark your calendars. March 26th. March 26th. Now, we'll send out an email giving you all kinds of great details and all of that, but we're going to try it out. We're going to figure out. We're going to see how it works as a body. And we're going to see how God will continue to expand our influence and expand our reach, not for our glory, but for his. If you've been wondering about joining the church, you've been wondering about what your next steps are, or say you wanted to join the church, but you don't like coming up to the front, we get it. So make sure on February 26th that you join us for next steps. There's information in your bulletin. There's information out there in the foyer on the posters. We'd love to have you come and join and learn more about how you can do what's next here at the church. So why don't we pray over these amazing opportunities, all these things that are going on. Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, that you would continue to be in our midst. Father, that we wouldn't make a move that you didn't say to make. Father, that we wouldn't say a word that you didn't ordain. Father, we pray, Lord, your covering. But more than that, God, we pray your power. We pray your power over every family. We pray your power over every follower. So that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we are. We, are. we are finishing this series this morning, the one that we've called Intentional Prayer. And so I'm, I'm curious, really, in this past month, has your time spent in prayer increased? I heard a yes, and that makes me happy. You're like, I didn't know it was an interactive service. Hey, has your time spent in prayer increased this month? Yes, wonderful. Have your prayers become more intentional? Are your prayers no longer predictable? No longer safe? You're like, wait, no, I'm a predictable prayer because I write it down. I get it, right? We desire, though, what we want, what we want to see in our hearts and our minds is that we get out of the normal and out of the harmless prayers and we step into those prayers that are a little bit more bold. Based on prayer requests that, that we hear and that we get, most of the time we're just praying for loved ones. And, and that's wonderful. We don't want to stop that. But beyond those prayers for our loved ones and ourselves, God, would you help me do this? Would you help me uh, do all of these things at my work? Would you fix my stuff? We should bring all of our requests to the Lord. We should bring all of those things. But what happens, though? What happens when we take the lid off of prayer and we begin to truly pray those prayers that shake the world? What happens when we pray with intention? And not only in our intention, we expect that God will answer. What happens? I'll tell you what happens. 
churches are born. People come to see Jesus as Savior. Communities are changed. That's what happens when we take the lid off of prayer. When we stop making it about the small and we start asking God for his things. So we, we, we thought, okay, what if we learn how to pray in specific ways? So we said, God, would you search me? God, would you reveal in me those things that are against you? God, would you search me? Would you make me, God, bold? Would you make me a witness for you? God, would you make me bold in saying the things that need to be said? Would you make me bold in doing the things that are necessary? God, would you speak to me? God, would you speak to me because I'm listening? And last week you said, God, would you open my heart so that it can be poured out for you? God, would you open my heart so that it would be poured out as an offering for you. So when we pray these bold prayers, when we pray with our hearts broken open, after we've been searched, after we understand all of those things, and after we've heard in our ears and our hearts, and they're tuned to the voice of God, do you know what happens? God will move. God will provide and show his power. And our emphasis, our emphasis moves us well away from what God will do for us. When we pray these prayers, we stop wondering, God, what will you do for us? But instead, God, what will you do in us? God, what will you do in my heart? God, what will you do inside my very soul? God, how will you change me, transform me? Praying like this transforms us day by day into the image of his son. So what if, what if we took our prayers to the next level? What, what, if, what if we pray more about what we can do for God? God, how can I be used by you? God, how can I fulfill your plan and your purpose in this community? God, how can I be used for you. And it moves us then into this kind of uncomfortable place. Because truly, if, if we're honest, we're comfortable when we receive. We're comfortable when we get things from God. But this, this it feels more like giving away. It feels more like being open and laid bare and uncomfortable. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that the message today will become a message that is an anchor for you, that helps you to tether your soul, your heart, your mind to the right place when it comes to our prayers. Because there are some messages that when you hear them, you encounter God in just a completely different way. And it, and it changes the trajectory of your life. And I believe that God has a message for you today. And this, this extremely life-changing prayer that we will learn to pray, it changes 
it changes you. It results in you changing or discovering your calling. May may result in you saying, you know what, I I need to do a different job. I need to take on a different responsibility. I need to be different relationally. I need to be different for my city. I need to move. I need to stay. I need to break up. I need to serve. You may find yourself making huge decisions. You may even move from being a cat person to being a dog person. I'm not sure what it will be, but the prayer that we're going to, to learn today, it's an extremely dangerous one. Throughout the scripture, we see that God calls people. It's not a calling as in the phone rings. Oh, it's God. Hold on, guys. <laughs> i got to talk to God. It's that God prompts. He gives you that urge, that feeling, that, underwhel- that overwhelming undertone in your heart. He speaks to you. He moves you. He, he brings you to some point of emotion or unsettledness. Then you learn. It leads you to, to say something. It leads you to do something. It, it leads you to someone, somewhere. So that you can encourage someone that you can speak truth. See, God calls someone who knows him to do what he wants done. And I believe that there are different responses that we can have to God's will, to God's call. I think there are three things, and today we're going to look at three ways that we respond to God's call on our life. And it leads us to the prayer that will end this series. So the first one I want to look at today, the first response is the response of Jonah. Jonah said, here I am, and I'm not going. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, here's what it says. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship that was going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. God called out to Jonah. He said, hey, Jonah, I got a message for you to deliver. Jonah says, hey, that's pretty interesting, Lord. Here I am. I want you to go to Nineveh. And he says, I'm out. I'm not going. But I'm curious, though. How many of you have had a similar experience? You felt prompted You felt this overwhelming need to do something, to reach out to someone, to encourage them. You were driving down the road and you saw that person on the side of the road and you thought, I should help them. And it's often the seemingly little things. Think about this. Sometimes God puts a person on your heart. 
and you either engage in that in that moment and you follow through and checking on them, caring for them, loving them, encouraging them, or you wait till the filling passes. Most recently, our deacons have taken on um, the the task, the big task of reaching out to our church members. Several, several phone calls and texts have been made. You may have received one and said, I don't know who this is. I'm not answering it. Right? You may have even blocked their phone number. But here's the thing that happens. Several responses, contacts have said this. This is the first time in years someone has checked on me. This is the first time that someone from the church has thought about reaching out to see how I am. Church, that should break your heart. And it happens more times than we'd like to admit. So the Spirit brings a person to mind and you pray for them. Wonderful. You pray for them. And sometimes, though, that does not seem sufficient. Maybe you should text them. Maybe you should call them. Maybe you should show up at their home. Maybe you should invite them to lunch. Maybe you should do something. But we let the busyness happen, right? We let the busyness kind of come over the distractions. And, you know, there's a new series on Netflix. And, you know, I'm quite busy. I got three seasons to catch up on. We have busyness and distractions, and they keep us from following through. So that's the first response. Here I am. I'm not going. The second one comes from Moses. Lord, here I am. Send someone else. Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. This is God speaking. He says, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, my people, the children of Israel, those ones, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel or Israel out of Egypt? Moses had decided this. He said, okay, um, yeah, that all sounds really cool. Uh, you know, that, that bush thing, that's pretty neat. Um, but I think you've got the wrong guy. I mean, great. Yeah, I mean, we made contact. I answered, but I think you just got the wrong guy. I think there's someone else that's a little bit more suited to this. You know, maybe somebody that, um, well, is not me. So he argued with God. And in the whole, the next passage, part of the passage is all about him giving excuses to God. Why? God maybe got the wrong phone number. He ignored the power and the signs of God because he wanted someone else to go. So Moses provided this big list of excuses. He said, listen, um, I don't know, but it's been like 400 years. So I'm pretty sure they're not going to know you. I mean, really, who am I going to tell them is calling them out of Egypt? Besides, I'll tell them this I am did that, but they're not going to listen. They're not going to hear it. Oh, and in Egypt, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's not going to listen. Have you ever heard about this guy? He thinks that he's you. He's not going to listen. <laughs> Besides, 
I don't do much public speaking. And this will be so easy for someone else to do. Have you ever been there? It's easy for us to do that. It's easy for us to justify our our disobedience to God. We make excuses. We say, but God, what about them? What, What about, yeah, what about them? You know, they have way more money than I have to give. God, you know what, they they really have a little bit more time. I don't have that much time. Have you seen how busy, have you seen my schedule? You know, I got things to do. I, 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 I have stuff. Hey, you know what, I know people that have a lot of time, they're retired. God, would you send a retired person? And the retired people are saying, you know what, I've done my time. Send a young person. But here's what happens. Everyone says, send someone else. So Jonah says, here I am. I'm not going. And Moses says, here I am. Send someone else. But the last response that we're going to look at is the one that we really want to lean into today. And it's the response from Isaiah. He prays a powerful open-handed, open-hearted prayer. And this is the prayer that I want you and I to pray today. It's Isaiah said this. He said, here I am, send me. In fact, if we read the scripture, it says, here I am, exclamation point, send me. Here's how it began. It says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Before we read that response from Isaiah, notice what God did not ask. He did not ask, or what Isaiah did not ask God. He did not say, um, first of all, I need to know a few things. Um, In fact, I need to report this back. So um, where are we going? Where where is it you said that you're sending me? Because I got a few thoughts about this. Is it a nice climate? How's the weather? How, how's the cost of living there? Is, is it okay? I mean, really, about, about this, is there going to be some pay in this? Is there going to be something that I get out of this? Is there vacation? Benefits. Okay, well, no. Isaiah didn't bring any qualifiers into this. And essentially, here's what he did. He signed a blank contract. He said, here I am, God. This is it. Then he said, here I am. Send me, blank contract, here's my name. God, whatever it is, the answer is yes. Will you pray that prayer? Here I am, it's excited. Here I am, God, here I am, I'm open-handed. I'm open-handed and I will do anything. Send me, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play, right? Put me in, I'm ready. Your prayer is I am available. God, I'm available in this day. God, would you interrupt me? God, would you pull me out of the things that suck me in? God, would you interrupt me? God, I will go where you say to go. God, I will do what you say to do. God, would you send me? 
So how do we get there? How do we, how do we get from that spot of, ah, I'm not that interested, to saying, God, whatever it is, God, whatever it is, I surrender it to you. So I think we just need to learn some things from Isaiah. So there are three things, if we look back up in this passage in chapter 6, we're going to see some three things that help us to know how to fully surrender to God. The first one is this, a genuine experience with the presence of God. Isaiah said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train, the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah saw the Lord in his, t- in the, he was in the presence of the Lord. He saw him in his heavenly throne room in all his glory and his majesty. Isaiah saw it. And above the Lord were these seraphim, each had six wings. And with two they covered their face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And they called to one another, and they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. When Isaiah saw the presence of the Lord, Do you know what happened? It completely transformed who he was. Why have you not been available to God? Why is it that maybe you haven't been available to the Lord? It's because maybe, maybe you're going to answer this question with a no. Have you recently experienced the presence of God? And if your honest answer is no, that's the first clue. You may find yourself not being available to the things that God wants for you, the things that God has for you, because you're denying the presence and the power of God in your life. You're denying the presence of God. You're refusing to bow before him. Instead, you're lifting yourself higher than the Lord. Does that hurt? It should. You're ignoring the power of God. You're saying, God, I'm going to pray about this, but I got it. Been there? God, I'm going I'm I'm to pray, God, would you help me to be this. God, would you help this to happen? And then we kind of hang it up and go do whatever we want to do. If you've been resistant to the power and presence of God in your life, if you've been resistant to his presence, this is why we took 21 days of prayer and fasting. And this is why some of us are experiencing this this battle that's raging against our own selves and in our families and in all of the things that we are experiencing. Have relationships been a little bit hard? Has your marriage been a little bit more sticky than usual? Because when you invite the power of God in your life, you also invite a war around you. If you didn't participate, I want to encourage you to start today. 
I want to encourage you to start today 21 days of prayer and fasting. The dates on the devotional, they can be scratched out. You can update them. You don't have to wait till next January. You have my permission. Okay? But maybe, but maybe you're resistant to the presence and power of God in your life because you know this, that you cannot be unaffected by the presence of God in your life. If God is in your life, you cannot be unaffected. The last time you're in the presence of God, it cost you something. God reminded you that you needed to change some things. You needed to get your priorities back in order. And it brought you to the second thing that you need for a full surrender to God. A real awareness of your sinfulness. This means that we drop the self-justification. We drop the excuses. And we stop saying that's for another time and another day. When I get out of this stressful patch at work, I will then start doing the things that God wants me to do. When I get my finances back in order, I'll start giving. When, when I, I figure out how to, you know, just navigate being here, I'll do better in my relationships. And we start this justification of all of these reasons why the thing that God wants us to do won't work. And besides, we're good people. I'm a good person, Right? At least I'm better than so-and-so. We can always find somebody that's a little bit worse than us, right? But the truth is, without Jesus, the truth is without Jesus, you are a, ready for this, horrible, evil, pathetic <laughs> sinner. That's your horrible, you're evil, you're pathetic in the eyes of God without Jesus. Mm. You need to become real aware of your sinfulness. Here's what Isaiah said. He said, and the foundations of the thresholds, they shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, oh no. Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah came face to face with the goodness and holiness of God, and he said, I am a wicked man. I am undone. He realized that he was unrighteous. He realized that he was not holy. He realized that he had sin. And his only choice was full surrender. His only choice was full surrender in the presence of God. He was aware of his sin. So we need awareness of the presence of God. And we need awareness of our sin. And we need a full 
understanding of God's grace. That's number three. When you understand how amazing the grace of God is, it brings you to surrender. Verse 6, he says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. With one touch from the goodness of God, his sins were atoned, they were forgiven. With one sacrifice, with one sacrifice, your heavenly Father sent his Son to bring forgiveness for you. He brought forgiveness for your lying lips. He brought forgiveness for your lusts. He brought forgiveness for your self-centered living. He brought forgiveness for your angry outbursts. He brought forgiveness for your secret sins. It's as though they never happened. You must realize the depths of your sin before you can experience the fullness of his grace, the fullness of his redemption. Because the grace of God through Christ changes everything. Full surrender. Full surrender is a sense of God's presence. Full surrender, a sense of God's presence, is that I understand my sinfulness, but I am cleansed by his grace. Isaiah 6, 8 says, Whom shall I send who will go for us? And out of the amazing grace afforded us by Christ, we should say, here I am. Here I am, send me. This is not a, I have to pray this prayer. This is, I get to pray this prayer. I get to say, God, here I am, send me. God, here I am, what's in this day? What is it that you have given me as an assignment to do in this day? It's, God, I want to be used by you kind of prayer. Because God has perfectly positioned you in this place in history. God has given you gifts. God has given you the money, the talents. He's given you friendships. He's given you the job, the education, the neighborhood that you live in for you to be used for his glory right now. You are perfectly positioned where you are to be an instrument of God's grace in this world. Because there are people today that need encouragement. You can be that encourager. You can be the one that helps someone in need. You can be obedient to the next thing that God places in front of you. And then obedient to the next thing that God places in front of you. And then obedient to the next thing that God places in front of you. And then be obedient to the next. You get the idea, right? It's a daily decision. God, here I am. Send me, God. It's, it's that, God, I want to be transformed by you. I want to be used by you. I want to be transformed from the inside out because there's this war that is waging all around me. I have this war that's waging from the inside and the outside. I have my flesh that says this, and I have the spirit that says this, and they are at war. God, the spirit, I want it to be working inside of me. It's a daily decision. Because what we feed grows. 
We can feed the flesh or we can feed the spirit. What we feed grows. Put to death the fleshly desires. Put to death the self-centered living, the self-centered motives. Deny your flesh and feed your spirit. Be involved in Sunday classes. Be involved in small groups. Be involved in Bible studies. Be involved in prayer groups. Be involved in your relationship with God. So why is it then, if we have all this grace, why are we hesitant to say, send me? Because here's something that happened. I remember this. Growing up in the Baptist church, I remembered if you said, God, here I am, send me, it meant two things. One, you were called to be a pastor. Or two, you were called to be a missionary to Africa. That was it. Those were the two choices. When you said, God, send me, I'm going to be a pastor or I'm going to Africa. You may end up ultimately a missionary in a remote village. That may happen. But God has plenty of work for you here. And he planted you here. And it doesn't have to be something huge. But you need to listen and slow down and listen to the Lord. He may have you get up. He may have you get up in a moment when we sing and walk across and pray with somebody. Pray for somebody that you need forgiveness. Ask them for forgiveness. Whatever it is, take a person, take a person, a family to lunch, serve in the toddler room, which is similar to, similar to mission work in a foreign country. <clears throat> but there's no tigers. You need to become faithful in saying yes. Say yes to the small things. And the little things, they become big things over time. Because daily obedience matters to God. And it's part of his plan to use you as a tool in his hands. So we say, here I am, send me. Here I am, here I am, Lord. Here I am, I'm yours. I'm yours anytime, anywhere. God, I'm yours. He may prompt you. He just may prompt you to pray, so pray. He may prompt you to tithe every time you get paid. Not just place a few dollar bills in the plate when it comes by. He may call you to lead a small group. He may call you to who knows. No telling what God would have you do. But my question for you is this, how will you answer the call of God to you? Will it be a yes? Will it be a yes? Or will it be yes? Here I am, Lord, send me. Here then is our full intentional prayer to the Lord. God, will you search me? God, will you make me bold? God, speak to me. Open my heart so that I can be poured out. Here I am. Send me. How will you answer the call that God is placing on you? 
we're going to be entering a time of prayer in just a moment. And, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm curious, how is God working in you right now? Is it a time that you need to spend confessing your sin? Do you need to make the place where you are an altar and confess your sin? Do you need to offer forgiveness? Do you need to receive forgiveness? Do you need to finally say, you know what? I know you've asked me to forgive you, and I've been resistant, and I've been sinning against God. I forgive you. How will you respond in obedience? For some of us, we just need to accept the grace of Jesus because we finally understand that there's a holy God, and I have sin, and I need his grace. Some of you may actually be called to ministry. Some of you may be called to be a missionary. But here's the thing. If you keep those things in the quiet and you tell no one, how can we as the body encourage you, love you, and spur you on? It takes boldness. It takes intention. Let's pray.